0: We continue in worship this morning as we look at another Psalm, Psalm 118. You know, so I'm going to give you a moment to get that, those of you watching this online from your favorite Bible app on your phone, what have you, as we look at this Psalm. You know, as we, and and this is a Psalm that, um, you know, parts of it is very familiar. With you. I mean, if you read through it, you will recognize some of the words, even if you've never interacted with the song. You know, like the stanza, and it says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We highlight this in uh, churches, will highlight this song on Sunday. And Jesus himself quotes from part of this song. I read a few of the early stanzas to remind us of what the psalm is teaching. There's a book in it. It starts with with, His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His love endures forever. And it ends the same way. Book ending, whatever happens, this truth is there. The Lord is good. His love endures forever. That's hard to remember though at times, isn't it? And just because something's true doesn't mean we always remember it. But it is. See, this is true regardless of where you are. I have a belief as I've studied some of the songs, and really I've enjoyed the past couple years from we go through Psalms because I get to study them a little deeper. And, and the Psalms at the end of the, what we know as the book of Psalms probably were, were compiled in such a way to remind the nation as they are in exile of the truth that give thanks to the Lord for he is good. But that seems counterintuitive, does it not? You're in exile. Your nation is gone. Your land is gone. You have no rightful king. Leave gone. You may not even know who your fellow Israelites are. Gone. Everything that you once held dear. Gone. Yes, that's the power of these songs. Because we can admit with them, crisis is never fun, right? Anybody enjoy crisis? No, okay. Those of you online, I don't think you do either. Crisis is never fun. They don't wake up going, I'm going to have a good crisis today. You know? And they kind of look forward to it. Crisis is never fun. No one likes crisis. Even those who work primarily with people in a the crisis, they don't enjoy it because of what they're doing. It's a call They step into those moments. No one likes it, but crisis is a part of life. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know if you are in crisis or not. Maybe you're coming out of it. Maybe due to current events, you're going into it. We all have a crisis moment. Life. It's a part of it. And and, and part of the nation of Israel, as they've come to Psalm 118, they are in a crisis themselves. And how are they going to get through it? How do you and I get through it? But we know the truth that we we are being reminded that He is good, the Lord is good, that His love endures forever. In order to survive it, we must have hope. Why does the psalmist write what he writes? It isn't just to recount on who God is and it is to instill hope into those in exile, into a nation that doesn't understand fully what is going on. Hope is a powerful thing. And when you do not have hope, it is a very, very, time. I believe that our world is in crisis. Our world is full of darkness. And not just because of sin, no bad is a loss. But there is a lot of hopelessness in our world. We're grasping for anything and everything. And we're coming to find out that we are lacking in me, of areas, and this is why I want us to remind to remind us that that hope is a very powerful thing, and we, as God's people, we ought to be people of hope in the midst of hopelessness. It doesn't mean we won't have our own crises; we will, but we have a hope. 1 Peter 1 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope. Everyone say, living hope. living hope. We, as God's people, because of the birth of the Son in Christ alone, because of His resurrection from the dead, we have a living hope. never went out of hope for us. I said that we must have hope in order to survive. We live in a very hopeless world. This is why maybe you don't know it. some of our families here today and those watching have been touched by. But suicide is the second leading for anyone under the age of 35. Second only to unintentional injury. Hopelessness is part of it. There's a whole lot there. It is in the top ten pro-life, we would say, this is an issue of life. Right to And there is help available. And, and suicide is not just something that happens outside of the church. It happens right inside. And we need, I want you to know if you're listening, there is help available. I, I've been at scenes where this has been. I've been in the midst of that. It. it is no fun. I hope never to be there with one of you, though I walk with some of you in this. I don't wish this upon you, but we as God's people, as people of hope, need to remind people there is help. And so real quick, right at the beginning, I'm just going to put up on the screen uh, two numbers that you can use. You may want to write these down, not for yourself, but if we're going to, as I'm going to call us to do, step into the hopelessness with hope, we need to remind people of where they can get some help and hope. It's no—it's no coincidence that the name of my counseling practice is Bridges of Hope, and I, I like to call the tagline of my counseling services "Where Hope and Healing Meets." Because if you don't have hope for the future, it doesn't matter—you will not go further. And sometimes that hope is you and I just walking with them. So you have the one eight hundred number there, two seven three eight two five five. Call any point in time, day, night, there's someone there back. Um, Tanner's girlfriend works here, you know, great okay, Uh, those of you who are tech savvy, you know uh, Hoover, you may want to write this down so your your friends in college alright you text for hope to 741-741 you're going to get somebody, boom you know, there, there is hope Here soon, the national number will be 988. And you can, just like 911 is the national number for emergency, you can always call it, but 988, July 16th, it's to roll out across our nation. Much easier. You only got to remember three numbers. And you will be uh, in touch with someone right there where you can get help. And just because you think about it, doesn't mean you're awful. We need to talk about something. We know the best way of helping someone is to talk about it. You know, mental health. We need to talk about it. Right? I know I do that. Well, that's part of me. And we got to talk about this stuff because we can. When we talk about it, people will realize they aren't alone. And so we are called to step into the crisis moment, into the darkness, but we do it with the hope of Jesus. We don't do it on our own. I can't step into the darkness of oh, suicide alone or because I think it's a great idea. No. I do it because Jesus is my living hope. So the question that I think Psalm 118 is going to help us to understand and answer is how can we grow in hope? We have hopelessness all around us. We have hopelessness that is causing fighting among us as nation, as churches. Maybe not our church here, but churches. We're, We're grasping at things that may lead us with something good, but we may find out it is not going to give us the hope we desire. And so we're angry. Anxious. <coughs> and yet, we are called to the minute. How do we grow in hope? That's my question this morning. That's what I think Psalm 118 will remind us. Because you may have enough hope this day, but there may come a time when your hope seems to be draining, when you're not quite sure you can go another day. Maybe these words will remind you. Some of you are in the moment of hopelessness. You got another surgery scheduled, or another doctor's appointment. Or you look at your calendar and you go, "My goodness, will I have any time for myself this week?" Or maybe you're just such a good worker that you get more work added to you. You know, while everybody else gets less. Maybe you have friends and family that are struggling with hope. I think that as we give hope, we can be reminded of Psalm 8, in Gamble, Jesus says that Clutter Cutter, has been reminding us on Wednesday morning, that with a woman at the Samaritan, uh, in Samaria, at the well, he said, if you living in water, will never run dry. I want to paraphrase that a little bit. With Jesus, you have a living hope that will never run out. Which also means you and I don't have to hold on to it. We can give it freely away. One of the most powerful things, one of my supervisors ever told me, was the idea of giving hope to somebody else. And I may have shared it, I know I've shared it in others. I've been in times in churches where, when I worked with someone who had no hope for themselves, and one of the most powerful things I've ever been able to say to them is here, I have hope for you. Take my hope for you. Take the Lord's hope for you. And when you have your back, you can either give it back to me or give it to somebody else. One of the most touching letters I ever received, probably in my life, happened when we were leaving Hamilton. I had said that to somebody there, and uh, as they wrote me their letter, they said tucked in these lines is your hope back. I haven't. Of hope. The power of being reminded we can grow in hope. So, how do we do that? We need to be reminded that God faithfully loves. Amen? Amen. He loves faithfully and faithfully loves. As it says, give thanks the Lord for his name, love, and it's his covenant of love. And he loves everyone, but he especially faithfully loves his people. Are you his people? It's like, I'm not a poor person. Together are we His people. And we know the truth of Scripture, even when we don't feel it, is God is faithful. He loves His people. Time and time again, throughout all of Scripture, we're reminded of God faithfully live, living and loving out His covenants. The book of Ruth is a fine example of this. God loving His people. So you want to grow in hope? Notice God's actions. Notice when God does something. Have you seen God this deep? Maybe it's in your personal life, but we will see here in the psalm, it can't just be individual, because there will be a time when God doesn't seem to be showing up individually in your life this deep. personally. couple of days, we notice the grain, the beats. You know, we there we go. I've seen that. Because there's Of darkness, light will shine. You grow in hope. You grow. Have you noticed someone grow in their faith? Have you told them? Maybe they don't see it, but you want to give hope. You, you talk about, hey, I've noticed how you're, you're asking really hard questions. That's great. Or I notice if you're trying to serve, you may have messed up. But welcome back next week. I tried to get out of proof from soul. It didn't happen, did it? Didn't. She tried to mess up. You know what that means? She gets to come back. Joyce has to be on You know what that means? She has to come back. You don't get fired. You don't get fired. We're going to talk about that. Later. But what he talks about, and here the psalmist is, is talking about uh, the way the Lord has opened up, what the Lord has done. You know, time and time again. Psalm 118, as I shared in, in Sunday school this morning, borrows heavily from Exodus 14 and Exodus 15. A lot of the Psalms, especially in the latter part of the book, will remind them of the Exodus moment, of when God showed up and shown off for the nation of Israel. You want to grow in hope, understand God's role for history. Right, Test. Is that no? That's not Tessa, Is it? Bren. I Got it. Got it. See, she got it. Yeah. If Brent can get it, and how old is Bren? Yeah. Two. If a two-year-old can get it, a 92-year-old can get it. I don't think we have any 92-year-olds here yet. So everyone in between. All right. No, we do. All right. God's actions and that's why you would go on to, When hard pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into spacious places. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere men do to me? Paul picks up on this. If God is for me, then who can be against me? Who cares what mere mortals can do? The reality is, we, as human beings, can do a whole lot to one another. A whole lot. And we see it on display. Every single day. But see, when you notice God's actions, you have this hope that it really doesn't matter. He goes on to say, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in human beings. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in the princes of this world. God provides refuge. I don't know what the numbers are. I didn't look at those. But I believe we, as a world, have more refugees now than probably ever before. And not just because of the Ukraine and Russia conflict, though well, that is a major one, with millions upon millions displaced, and you see it in other parts of the Middle East, in Africa, in Asia, and beyond. Refugees. Here's what I know about refugees. They really have, by definition, no home. And typically, when we put them in a refugee camp, it's not a spacious place. You know, I don't do tent camping much, only about a handful of times a year, because my boys love it. Bless than hearts. I say that as suddenly as I can. All right, some of you get that. But we're not talking a thousand square feet of place. We're talking maybe at times. As David's platform, I'm standing. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to be there for long. It's not considered spacious. But when you come into God's family, when you're a part of God's home, we read here that He provides spacious place. hard-pressed, verse 5, he brought me into a spacious place. Some of you listening, where, can they, where is maybe God calling you? Maybe God is calling you to provide a hope to refugees around us. Refugees maybe it's single women and mothers. Maybe it is single fathers. Maybe it's orphans. Maybe it's widows. Maybe it is the outcasts. We live in a world where people do lots of things because they don't think anyone cares. They have no home. What if your home, my home, our church became home? Now, here's what I know about those who live in my house, I don't always like them. They do things that stink, sometimes literally. (laughs) But we love one another. I wouldn't want to do anything else but be with them. Maybe that's it. See, because we can grow in hope when we're part of God's home and God's family. We ought to be people. Globally and locally, who understand how to meet the needs of refugees because we are refugees in this world. We are confined in this world, but we have hope because we know this world is not the final set. We have a better, spacious place. If you read in Revelation, I mean, there's John gives this idea of he tries to measure out this city and is it, and literally, like, should we take it in literal? Well, that's great debate, but I will tell you this. You read Revelation and you read about the future dwelling place of those who are God's people and it's big. It's big. He talks in here about the Lord, verse 18, has chastened me, but yet the Lord will never chasten us unto death. He won't humiliate us, but he will discipline. He will say, you know what, you're off base a little bit here, but I love it, let's go, keep walking, keep walking. That's why I said over. One of the most powerful things we can do is pray the Holy Spirit on people, especially fellow believers. We proclaim truth, but I don't have to be the instrument of conviction. I can let the Holy Spirit's job it is to convict, do the work. We can just say, be part of God's home, God's family. Because when you are, as we read in Psalm 23, as we would read another psalm, and we read it here, that he will protect. The Lord helps me. He is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. the Lord your salvation, or are you looking for it in other places? Are you looking for it in other places? As I try to start to wrap up, God uses what others reject. Verse 22. Many of you will remember this from the looks of Jesus, where he says, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone or has become the capstone, has marked it all out. The imagery here is hear is a stonemason or someone who is, as they're trying to build a stone structure, which is what most of the ancient, oh, ancient Near East would have used, and okay? they didn't have metal that we know of like we know of, they didn't have the wood like we know of, okay? They would look at the stones and go, eh, ah, that one probably isn't any good. Oh, this one will work. And, and, and what people reject, Jesus says, became the foundation, the cornerstone, the chief place of hope and healing. Have you ever been rejected? You know the hopelessness that is there. Have you ever been told you're not good enough? You know the hopelessness that is there. You've been ever told you don't measure up. You know the hopelessness that can set in. Those are the messages of the world. But what we read in the psalmist here is that the Lord, what what others reject, God uses. As you read in your devotions, of well, those of you in person, we have it on the back. Those of you on the line, I'll try to get them on again uh, in a little bit. We read of uh, time and time again how God uses the things that doesn't make sense to this world. The great King David himself. Those of you who remember 1 Samuel know that he wasn't even in the picture. Like I think he's number 6 or 7 in the line of sons. He's out in the field because when Samuel comes, no one thinks that the youngest, the smallest maybe is it. But we sing about it. We sing the truth that the Lord said to Samuel when he was to anoint Man looks at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. What's on the inside? And that can be a serious proposition. Because sometimes if we know what's on the inside, we're really good at hiding from others. We're good at hiding in jealousy sometimes. We're good at hiding hatred sometimes. We we may want to gloat because things have gone our way. Oh the Lord notices in the heart. But you all may also know <clears throat> in your heart is a desire. desire to really try to keep the Lord's way. You may not do it right. But the Lord notices. And so Samuel goes through all the others. God says, no, not that one. No, not that one. And he finally says, there has to be someone else left. I think Samuel is going, Lord, I must not have all the candidates in front of me. Okay? There's got to be somebody, the Lord said, the me to come here, but who's missing? Oh, yeah, there's David. He's out in the fields. Someone says, go get him now. Look, but go get him now. I got a job. And maybe, for some of you who have studied Scripture, you know that part of the irony, part of the paradox of David being the king is he is almost the exact opposite son of Saul. Saul is a tall guy. Saul is a guy that uh, looked nice. He was pleasing to the eye. And David is this short kid. David may not be as pleasing to the eye, but David was chosen. You want to grow in hope we need to know who our value. You want to give hope to somebody? Remind them of their value. You read these words of value from the very beginning. God created man and woman. In his own image, he created them. Value because there is an image there or a mark on you. Period. People who need hope need to know they are valued. That someone can walk with them. Not because of what they do or don't do, but because they are created in the image of their maker. They may not even know the maker, but you walk with them. And Ephesians, once again, which I believe is in the devotions Ephesians 2, we read, that as for by grace we have been saved, not of works, so that no one should boast. For we are God's workmanship. We are God's masterpiece. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. The only thing you and I can do that is good is we reflect Jesus back out. We don't do good because of our own measure, And that's what the psalmist is saying. You want hope, you are valued, and I'm going to try to give you value by serving you in such a way that you go, well, well I don't know about everybody else, but this guy seems to get it. This girl seems to get it. I couldn't have it repaid. you don't repay God's grace. You can't. Now, you can live in response to His grace, but you don't repay it going, here's what I owe, because God says, you, you can't even meet the... bill." don't even try. You want, to, you want to repay me, live in grace, live in hope. Which brings us to this. The Lord has done it. Let us rejoice. In most translations, in the one I grew up with, verse 24 says, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I like it, but I think it misses the point. The point of the psalm isn't just the, this is the day the Lord has made. No, that is true. Every day that gives us is the day the Lord has made. But what he says is time and time again, the Lord is your strength. The Lord is salvation. The Lord will protect you. The Lord, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than anywhere else. Why? Because the Lord has done it. It is signed, sealed, delivered. So now rejoice, even if you're in exile in the moment. Rejoice, even if you're not very hopeful in the moment. Because why? You, if you so choose to realize it, you are valued. Whether you feel it or not has nothing to do with it. I talk many times with people, some of you know this because I work with you. It's not about what you feel always. Feelings are wonderful and and awful at the same time. Okay? They can teach us things, but they're not gospel truth. That's why scripture never tells us, it never commands us to a feeling. Always commands us to an action. Okay? Your feelings will come and go. Honor them by expressing them. Not stuffing them, but by feeling them. But know that regardless, you are valued. Why? The Lord has done it. Two, you can be a part of a family, the family of God. You want that? It's open to you. Come into God's family through the way, the truth, and the life of Jesus Christ alone. It's done, but you have to walk through it. Thirdly. Because God is faithfully loving his own. It's done. Even if you don't feel like it, it's still so true. Even if you don't feel any of those things, they're true. That's why the psalmist says, the Lord has done it, so let us rejoice. Is that easy? <laughs> no. Or oh, from. Well, But when you are in God's home, when you're in God's family, He has given you the Holy Spirit, the power of which to do it. Because of the Holy Spirit and because of one another. Because you know what? There's a miracle in Scripture. A miracle of a man that was healed who did nothing for it. His friends did. His friends did. Now, did the man not have faith? I don't think so. But when you're lame in that society, you don't just get to walk up to Jesus. His friends carried him. What well, is you and I? Shall. We are going to carry one another and say, there's hope for you. There's value for you. We go over the world and say, well, I'm going to carry you and we're going to do it together as part of God's family together. That's the mission of the church great work ahead of us to do, church, to love God and to love others. We have great work to do as we live in a world that is in chaos and crisis and in darkness. We have work to do to love single moms and babies and old moms and old widows and widowers and the refugee and the immigrant and the alien among us. To the one who woke up this morning going, I don't know that I can do this anymore. To the one who goes, "I no one has ever told me that I'm loved. And I can't imagine that. I, 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 I know. It's same Every single day. Some people look like they have it all together. Next, they don't. And if we will spend enough time with them, we will see it. And then we can say, here's some hope. You are loved. Not because, you have a business that helps others. That's great. Not a business that provides, but because the Lord put his mark on you. Put a mark on me. On everyone. And the Lord has done it. So let us rejoice and be glad. And when we do that, we are the living hope of Jesus. And people will open up and will say, Not me. I know a guy who's given me this over. I just want to give it to you because it more about. I don't want to just connect you to here. Go. So I close with this. Where is the Lord asking you to be the living hope in our Lord? Let's know in some circles as your calling, as your vocation. Is it ministry? We need people giving living hope in churches and pastors. Is it a teacher? Is it as a a good neighbor? Is it an entrepreneur, a business person? Is it a manager? Is it a pizza delivery person? Is it a daycare worker? Is it all of the above? None of the above. What is it? You have a place when you see that the Lord has done it, realize that the Lord is calling us to, based on what he has faithfully done in the past, you're willing to do things that others may not, for the sake of Jesus. We pray with you, Father God, I thank you for this time. Lord, I ask that you would be with us as we continue in worship and close this formal time of worship, and we could learn to trust and obey, there's no better way to be happy in you. Lord, that we would see and we would experience and we would... Our foundation on the truth of Scripture that you have marked us as valuable we can go treat others with value. We won't lose ours, but we can help others see who they are in you. It's not about me finding my own heart's ways and trusting my heart that will deceive me, but trusting the faithful one who says, This is true, which will allow me to step in for the crisis moments of my life and of those around me we thank you that you are a living hope that you're not dead that we don't just go passing a, a funeral possession. But Lord, instead you are the resurrection and the life. And that you are coming back. I have a hope of what's going to happen based on what has happened. And I am loved and I've been grafted into your family. Lord, I thank you for that. May we go live that out this day. Lord, we just thank you for this time. Lord, I hope by the power of your Spirit, you have done the work that only the Spirit can do as we seek to be your people always. And we pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, whose image we bear this day and every day. Amen.